This is Sandra Peoples, and you are listening to Key Ministry, the podcast. This is episode one, Welcome at the Table. In this episode, we're looking at how to make a church culture shift that leads to everyone being on board for the inclusion of people with disabilities and the modifications we can make so they feel welcome. We'll talk through the shift that King David made in the book of 2 Samuel from telling his men to kill people with disabilities to welcoming Mehebesheth at his table. Since this is our very first episode, let me take a minute to introduce myself. I'm Sandra Peoples, a board member for Key Ministry. I've been part of the Key family for years, previously serving as the editor and social media manager. I am so thankful for the work that Steve and the entire Key team do to connect families to churches. I now serve the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention as their special needs ministry consultant, helping churches welcome families like mine. I have a sister with Down syndrome and a son with autism, so most of my episodes will focus on family aspects of disability ministry and inclusion. To kick off the podcast, I thought it would be helpful to look at a biblical example of a leader who made a shift from literally commanding the death of people with disabilities to welcoming the disabled son of his best friend to his table. The words and actions of today's church leaders are thankfully aren't as extreme as King David's were, but there are many churches that don't include people with disabilities, essentially keeping them from the gospel and doing life with a faith family. A few years ago, Lifeway Research did a poll of Protestant pastors and asked them if their churches welcomed people with disabilities. Are you ready for this? 99% of them said yes. 99%. When they released the study, families like mine responded that uh, our experiences did not quite show that 99% of churches welcomed us. Lifeway went on to ask more specific questions about exactly how the churches welcomed families and made accommodations, and it was much clearer that they didn't really have a true understanding of the challenges we face when wanting to attend church because their steps weren't actually the ones that we needed churches to make. So how do we make a shift in our churches from 99% of them thinking that they are accessible to actually being accessible? And this is where I think a look at the shift in King David's life is helpful. So let me read to you from 2 Samuel 5, and then we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 9. So here it is from 2 Samuel 5. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem against the Jebusites who inhabited the land. The Jebusites had said to David, you will never get in here. Even the blind and lame can repel you because they were thinking David can't get in here. Yet David did capture the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. He said that day, whoever attacks the Jebusites must go through the water shaft to reach the lame and blind who are despised by David. For this reason, it is said the blind and lame will never enter the house. I have to say, <laughs> that is pretty hard for me to read. First, instead of protecting and honoring the members of their community who were the most vulnerable, those who deserved respect and protection during this invasion, the leaders used them as a way to mock David and his army. David responded by banning them, the blind and the lame, from even entering Jerusalem after he conquered it. 
They weren't seen or respected as God's image bearers. They were driven out of their homes and away from their families because they had been used as pawns in the war by those who held the power. Now, churches today don't declare you can't come in here, but many communicate that with their actions or rather their inactions. So what caused a shift for David? Let's look at a more familiar passage to most of us, 2 Samuel 9. I'm going to skip some of the verses to save time, but we'll start in verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone remaining from the family of Saul I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? There was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. So the king asked, Is there anyone left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? And Ziba said to the king, There's still Jonathan's son who was injured in both feet. The king asked him, Where is he? Ziba answered, You'll find him in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar. So Mehebesheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, fell face down, and paid homage. David said, Mehebesheth, I am your servant, Mehebesheth replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields, and you will always eat meals at my table. Mehebesheth paid homage and said, What is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's attendant Ziba and said to him, Mehebesheth, your master's grandson is always to eat at my table. Mehebesheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. His feet had been injured. Friends, we could spend more time than we have today looking at all the details in this passage, but, but let's hit some of the highlights. First, David was mourning the death of his friend Jonathan. He wanted to show kindness to anyone left in the lineage of Jonathan. So he found out there was a survivor, Mehebesheth. Now, earlier in 2 Samuel 4, we read this about him. Saul's son Jonathan had a son whose feet were crippled. He was five years old when the report about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nanny picked him up and fled, but as she was hurrying to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mehebesheth. Mehebesheth was now a man, in the passage that we read with David, summoned to approach the king who was ultimately responsible for the death of his father and grandfather, the very king who had made a law he couldn't live within the city of Jerusalem because he was lame. Mehebesheth fell at David's feet in fear as he was brought before the king, but David responded with an invitation to sit at his table and have all of Mehebesheth's grandfather's lands restored to him. The last verse we read said, Mehebesheth then lived in Jerusalem and ate at the king's table. David broke the law he had made by inviting Mehebesheth into the city and to his table. So what I see in these passages is that David took three steps we can learn from today. Realization, restoration, and invitation. He had the realization that his friend's son was one of the people he had kept from living in his city. He made steps of restoration, giving back what was his and restoring their relationship. Then there was an invitation for Mehebesheth to always have a seat at David's table. Churches can follow that same pattern of realization, restoration, and invitation. 
So first, they can look around their sanctuaries and realize that they do not reflect the U.S. Census numbers that 20% of families have a member with a disability because it is unlikely that 20% of the families in their sanctuaries are special needs families. Number two, they can take steps to restore trust and build relationships, including repenting of ways they haven't been as proactive as they should have been in making accommodations. And third, finally, they can invite people with disabilities and their families to the table. The entire church can take steps to help us feel welcome and needed. Jesus himself took these steps when he healed those with disabilities, restoring them to the community and inviting them to have access to the temple to worship. In fact, that's how he spent his time during his final days on earth, making room for the disabled to enter the temple. The money changers we read about in Matthew 21, 12 were likely set up in the temple space where Gentiles and those who were unclean could enter. After driving out the money changers, the blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple, verse 14 says. So as we put all this together and end our time together, let's ask ourselves, what is blocking the way for the disabled in our churches today? And what can we do about it? The application could be different for all of us. The application for me as a special needs family is that I need to show up even when I'm scared, like Mehebesheth did. <laughs> as hard as it feels sometimes, someone has to go first to build relationships with those in power in our churches and pray for a heart change and a culture shift. That is a big part of my advocacy work as James's mom, to keep showing up and speaking out so we are welcome and other families who come to our church in the future don't have to overcome the challenges that we may have to overcome. You may feel a different application as you reflect on the passages that we read today and can see yourself in the story. So let's pray together and trust the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts and cause us to take some action. God, we mourn with you that churches aren't welcoming of everyone made in your image. We are thankful for examples throughout scripture that show your heart and purpose for everyone and that you give us models for inclusion that we can put into practice in our churches. Give us strength when we grow weary, creativity to meet a variety of needs, and a passion to keep welcoming more and more people to the table. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our first episode of Key Ministry, the podcast. In the coming weeks, you'll hear episodes from Dr. Lamar Hardwick, Beth Golick, Catherine Boyle, and Dr. Steve Gersovich. Go ahead right now and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And visit keyministry.org slash podcast for a transcript of this episode and the show notes.